through the fathomless depths of space swims the star turtle, the great Atuan. And on its back are many, many people trying to figure out just what it is that makes their cherry practice work both timely and timeless. So take the time to challenge your own assumptions, take no prejudices ironclad, and join us as we finish our journey through the Shepherd's Crown and the complete discography. Good evening, and welcome to this, the 41st and final asterisk uh, episode of The Complete Discography. I'll explain the asterisk some other time. Uh, tonight, we are just the three of us talking about the last book in the series, The Shepherd's Crown, which, as I'll remind you, Anna and I had never read up until this point, and I think we're both glad we did. Yeah. So, I think we're feeling a little less silly tonight. We'll see how, how we go, but... Uh, let's just reintroduce ourselves one more time. I'm Anna, and I can't quite believe that we're here. My name's Justin, and I've read every fucking Discworld book. I'm Aaron, and I have finally read The Shepherd's Crown. So, it's just the three of us. Um, we just felt, I don't know, like being a little cozy, because we're going to wrap up. Yeah. There there wasn't, the, like, uh, frankly... Uh, frankly, short of necromancy, I don't think there was a guest that I would have wanted on this episode. Yeah. It it kind of feels right to go back to go back to the core and like, you know, just vibe with each other. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we will be spoiling the Shepherd's Crown in this episode. Uh, there's no way around that. I'm sorry. Um, I'll put a note in the show notes for when we skip to session or season wrap up. But we probably will hit on some things that are Shepherd's Crown related in that too, so sorry. Anything we need to talk about first, or should I read the synopsis? Go for it. Okay. Things that seem perpetual are rarely so. And in this case, Granny Weatherwax's time on the disc comes to a quiet and calm end. Our friend Death collects her with the final conversation, leaving her physical remains and meticulous preparations to be found by her best friend Nanny Og and her protege Tiffany Aching. The ripples of Granny's passing are felt across the disc. Even Vetinari and Ridcully feel the change in the world. Unfortunately, the passing of the disc's greatest metaphysical defender is also noted by old enemies. The elves and their queen feel the barricade across the ways falter and start to plan their revenge on the mortal world. At the traditional wake and passing of the steading, Tiffany is named as Granny's successor to the little cottage in Lanker. This is meaningful in a number of ways. It clearly marks Tiffany as the presumed first among equals. It generates all sorts of animosity from Mrs. Earwig, again, who assumed she would take the mantle and the cottage, or one of her acolytes would, at least. And it lands Tiffany with two large, needy, and geographically disparate steadings to be in charge of. Already overworked by her reluctance to take on apprentices down on the chalk, Tiffany is stretched even thinner, and she knows it. So, when the opportunity presents itself in the form of Geoffrey, a young natural ability to calm disputes, she overlooks his innate maleness and starts to show him the work of a witch. And he turns out to be quite good at it. A particular breakthrough he makes is discovering a way for old men to feel like they still have a place and worth via the creation of man caves, or sheds. Meanwhile, the elves have resumed incursions across the barrier, causing mischief and annoyance but encountering significant changes. The humans now work side by side with goblins, and have banded the world in iron railways. 
Discontent with the limited progress made by the queen and refusing to see the new threats, the Feylord Peas Blossom leads a palace coup and casts the old queen into the mortal realm, de-winged and dethroned. Tiffany and the Feagles find the queen, now simply Nightshade, and Tiffany, feeling guilt over her recent terminal encounter with three raiding elves, refuses to let the Feagles dispatch her. Instead, she starts to show Nightshade what it means to do good works without expectation of reward. And Nightshade starts to change. Tiffany gathers all the Disc's witches for a final stand against the elves. Up in the ram tops, led by Magrat, bearing the armor and blessing of the legendary Queen Yinsi, and supported by the old men in sheds and weaponized iron filings, the invasion in the mountains is swiftly defeated. Down on the chalk, however, Lord Peasblossom seeks out a confrontation with Tiffany and her lowland troops. After Peasblossom casually dispatches Nightshade for the crime of declaring Tiffany her, yes, friend, the King of Elves appears to take vengeance and remove the elves back to their own land. Because, you see, Tiffany had also had a shed built for the king, who now contemplates a railway without iron. With the ramtop steading left to Geoffrey, Tiffany takes up carpentry and rebuilds the old shepherding hut. She and we see Granny Weatherwax and Granny Aching walking in the hills side by side with thunder and lightning. And as we say goodbye one last time to the disc, the ripples in the world created by Granny Weatherwax continue. And Tiffany's have only begun. So how do we feel? It felt really good to read this. Like, don't get me wrong, I cried through like a very solid chunk of it, uh, like a quarter to a third. But like in a good way, I felt like Granny's death was the perfect lens for saying goodbye to Terry as well. Um, I don't regret waiting to read it, and I'm glad that I've read it now. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, you know, I, I appreciate it for the context of our podcasting bit. Uh, I also find myself wishing I hadn't been so afraid to read it. I don't think it's the best Tiffany book, but it's enough. And it feels, you know, more fully completed than Raising Steam. I think it's interesting that Granny is the major death, you know, compared to all of the other of Terry's author facets, author insert characters, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call them. It's simultaneously very clearly and explicitly world-shaking, but it leaves answers you know, we talked about this with mm -hmm. like what happens if Fetinari dies, what happens uh, with if Vimes dies. But you know, the witches have their shit together, though. They're yeah. they're self governing, more or less. Uh, and just the one final thing before I let Justin get a word in edgewise. I sat down on a quiet Saturday afternoon and read from about page thirty to the end in one sitting. And it felt great because that's what I used to do every time I had a new Terry book. And I don't know. It's it's pretty amazing to get to do that again. I think sometimes I had like issues with the Tiffany books, not from like the the fact that like I didn't enjoy them, but they were often like very heavy reads, and this didn't feel like as much of one. Not particularly a bad way. But I mean the one thing that I immediately like th that sort of sticks in my mind is that even though it's an ending it feels like a beginning <laughs> um which reminds me of another great author chris claremont the x-men scribe who would uh leave uh who would never write the end at the end of major arcs would would instead put the beginning hmm. and it's just thing that resonated like i've been thinking about this and i'm like i don't i i think that if you if you want to measure art in the way that it provokes an, a response in you 
it makes you think and what it makes you think about, then I think The Shepherd's Crown is one of the most meaningful Discworld books and one of the most, like, it, it, it's it's powerful art through what it is yeah. and what it's talking about. And I, I think it's, like, it's one of those things that it's like, there are parts of this that, like, it's it's a very it's a much better book than Raising Steam, and but I think it's also so much more meaningful mm-hmm. in what yeah. it's doing. It's also so much than Raising Steam. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, quite a bit shorter. Yeah, and quite a bit shorter than like most Discworld books. Yeah, in length, it's what comparable to We Free Men, right? It might be shorter. I'm not sure. It's it's around that ballpark. Yeah, you know, it's um and uh I I had the great I had the amazing opportunity to talk to Rob again uh offline this time about the writing of the book and all of the heroic efforts that a number of people put into making sure that even more than raising steam that this one was done as much as possible by Terry mm-hmm. and you know, just with a lot of help. Yeah. He said that actually raising steam before it started, the editing process was over a hundred thousand words. Uh, and it just kind of never got smoothed and sanded down when it was in its final form. Uh, on the other hand, this book, I feel so bad because Rob, and I think he talks about this in, in his, his, uh, biography too but it sounds like basically every day he was he had a list of scenes and pieces that he needed that he needed terry to get done and you know there were good days and bad days and apparently they wrote granny's death scene seven times oof yeah so you know there the i think the emotional weight of this book is as much a, what it what it means in a what's it doylian perspective as it does yeah. in a watsonian mm-hmm. but from from a watsonian perspective as well like i think i think it's stronger for being relatively short and mm-hmm. relatively condensed that mm-hmm. it doesn't go off on tangents it's you know really solid and you know it was a really i liked it as a treatment of you know what happens when granny weatherwax is not around because that's especially that's something that terry toyed with through so many of the witches books mm-hmm. um like mm-hmm. granny was kind of clearly almost killed off like a times but she always ends up like surviving and then ending up being you know the the linchpin for yet one more thing Mm-hmm. Um and like mm-hmm. the impact that that has when everything when everything everything is like on the shoulders of one person too. And to Justin's point about this not being quite as dark of a Tiffany book, yeah. I think that's probably because it's the book where Tiffany becomes an adult. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so the book transitions out of that YA where you know, the, the teenager or the, or whatever is feeling those things really strongly. And, and Tiffany now has, you know, emo- the emotional defenses. And so everything's wrapped yeah. in a layer of sheep's wool. Yeah. Tiffany's Tiffany is great in, in 
great struggle throughout this that isn't a fairy related is working two yeah. jobs, <laughs> which is a very adult yeah. problem. Working two jobs, uh, living at home, millennial dream, right? <laughs> yeah. Commuting. House house sitting for your uh, your elderly relative's pet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what are some of the themes, or what's the thesis of the book? So, I think one of them would be that um, it's not enough to just to solve acute problems; that you need to look more dear deeply and address the root issue. And we see this over and over again with Tiffany, where she hits a problem and she resolves it on the surface level, but she's so overworked and burnt out that she can't actually, like, she doesn't realize, you know, what the deeper problem is that needs to be solved. Um, so both, mm-hmm. you know, both that you you need to actually dig into things. It's not enough to just paper over and be like, it's fine now. Um, and also that, like, if you're overworked and burnt out, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's the Vimes boot theory, but for emotional labor. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we we get, because we just here reread uh, We Free Men and are in the middle of uh, Hatful of Sky. Uh, and, you know, the message you get over and over and over again is which is solve their own problems, which is solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. And that clearly is unsustainable. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Um, it was really interesting to me in this one that, like, a secondary thing to me was that it's okay to ask for help. Like, that Tiffany yeah. repeatedly, you know, asks for help, whether that's, you know, from the other witches, from her parents, um, et cetera, and from Jeffrey. And, like, after, after like you said, all the, you know, all the Tiffany books being like, a witch stands on her own and everything, having... Like, and I think that maybe that's part of Tiffany forging her own path too, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and learning to be a witch in her own way, and leading the witches on a new path forward of being like we can actually be a community for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing that really stuck stuck out to me was the this uh, thing that Terry does over and over and over and over again. We've saw in the books, you know, uh, will. Everybody knows that dwarves are. Everybody knows that, you know. And, mm-hmm. like, the one thing that he's said over and over and over again is elves are bad. And then he's like, huh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe they just haven't been given the opportunity to be good. Yeah. And and the other one, which is witches are women. Right. Yeah. Uh, the two things are both, well, let me pull the rug out, you, uh, out from you two last times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love um, that circularity back to equal rights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I didn't put this down as the thesis or the main theme, but I, I think there's like other like I, I to not echo something. Something that comes up, especially in this book, is that is the idea the idea of that having a diverse, uh, like a a, a a diverse group that is helping people in a community allows for more adequate problem solving Mm -hmm. of like, of that Jeffrey identifying the problem of 
old men spending a lot of time in the pub who are sort of, you know, lonely old men who don't have anything better to do and coming up with the 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 idea of the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um that was really interesting to me. Uh like I mean everything with Jeffrey. I I love Jeffrey. Yeah. He might be one yeah. of my favorite parts of the book. But yeah, like that, you know, that's part of what I was saying with like, you know, the solving yeah, it's not enough to solve the acute problems. Um and yeah, I I really liked especially since we get a lot of like Tiffany internality throughout these books Mm -hmm. and she's always been a little bit i don't want to say necessarily scornful of the old men but like she kind of is is like pities them and is kind of dismissive of them of like oh well they're just kind of the old men waiting around to die and i need to cut their toenails Um, and, you know, Jeffrey looking at them and being like, no, these people have value in a way that Tiffany never really did up -hmm. until that point. It was really interesting to me. I mean, and the other one, obviously, is that you, is that you do leave an impact on the world and you do try to leave it better than you found it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That, that scene with death. Yeah. (laughs) Oof. Do we want to pull the quote now? <laughs> yeah. For I can see the balance, and you have left the world much better than you found it. And if you ask me, said Death, nobody can do any better than that. It's so good. The the way you had it, your face angled just now, your your glasses were entirely blue. It was very funny. I I, <laughs> I do this for dramatic effects so you can get like the anime villain glare. <laughs> Or or the or the 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 blue eyes of death too. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. But yeah, I mean the, gosh, I mean I think that might be one of my favorite passages like across Discworld, just because I, I mean I'm a sentimental old fool. Um, <laughs> uh, but that entire thing of you know where where death says you know. I'm where where death says I'm honored to take the, to take this journey together. Yeah, because it's two. I mean, there there are two people who have been there for the entirety of it. Yeah, yeah. and they are both familiar with each other. Yes, they are. Yes, I ran across a review on Goodreads um, for the book as well that had a a quote that I'd like to pull that's related. Um, so this <laughs> is a, a review from Alex Sarl on August thirtieth. Uh, 2015. Um, they say, early in the book, a gentleman who speaks in capitals and has some expertise in these matters suggests that nobody can do any more than leaving the world better than they found it. He is, I fear, slightly wrong. Sir Terry left one world better than he found it and another better than he first made it, which I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that was very, very apropos for the too, of yeah, reading through yeah. all of them. Wow, and that was like right after the book came out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it really is like astounding because I'm like, you know, now it's like I, I when I tell you know, occasionally when I when I talk to people about this project, I like, I will I will get the 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 question. Hey, I picked up this world and read through X or. Where would I start with this? And, you know, it's like, and I'm very happy to, like, actually have answers now instead of saying, like, well, I've only read through X or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Which, yeah, I mean, it's the the staggering amount that this changes and transforms from, I mean, from a goofy from a goofy pastiche into what it becomes is really remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Is, were there other themes that we wanted to touch on? Just Justin's got some good stuff yeah. there. Yeah, I think that there is there's points in this book. Uh, especially when Tiffany is going like living in Granny's house, that there are these I I don't have a real good description for what kind of emotion it is to stay in the house of somebody who's died, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like where you are like that person like live in this house no longer live there. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a unique, weird, awkward, um, and if you, if you believe in that sort of thing, there is an emptiness there and there are points in this book where I think like Tiffany has a little, like Tiffany is growing up, but she also is like. Throughout this book, she is in the traumatic shock of grief. Mm-hmm. And there are parts of this book that just feel that have that same sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in the way that like grief and dealing with the dealing with a death, etc. Isn't isn't over quickly, you know, that it mm. just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, we start the entire Tiffany series with her dealing with grief as a child. And, mm-hmm. you know, she she ends it too, but I guess that's that's the role of witches guarding the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, then the sort of coda of the whole book with her, you know, sort of ship of Theseusing Granny's cottage into her own cottage uh, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. shepherding hut. You know, I think that's her finally and fully processing that particular piece of grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, I mean, it, it's it's very, it's like, it feels like a final rite of passage in a way of like, this is my witch's hut. Right. Yeah, that, you know, Tiffany ends up making a space that's suited to her. And mm-hmm. that happens to be, you know, not a witch's cottage, but a shepherd's hut. All right, buttons. I mean, I did mine. <laughs> I've got one. I've got I've got two actually. So one one is but the reward for lots of work seemed to be lots more. If you dug the biggest hole, they just gave you a bigger shovel, which is <laughs> extremely true. Yeah. Um and the the other um which I pulled because it felt really Babylon 5 to me. Um <laughs> For a witch stands on the very edge of everything, between the light and the dark, between life and death, making choices, making decisions so that others may pretend no decisions have ever been needed. Yeah, that is definitely the sort of the full encapsulation of Terry's witches. Yeah. Yeah. But also, it also was like, like, I was like, oh, wait, is that the Grey Council? (laughs) 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 So like we stand between the light. But yeah, you know, I, I I really liked that quote. Yeah. One of the ones that I grabbed was, and Tiffany knew that if a witch started thinking of anyone as just anything, 
that would be the first step on a well-worn path that could lead to uh, to poison apples, spinning wheels, and just too small stove, and to pain and terror and horror in the darkness. You know, that, that whole cackling thing. Yeah. That's an interesting quote to me. Um, because I feel like, I feel like Tiffany has not actually been particularly good at that throughout no. the, throughout these has. books. That, no. like, you know, she does kind of think of other people as just quite a bit. She's very yeah. judgy. <laughs> she thinks a lot of people as sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a, I mean, that's something you, I think that is a very teenager thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and, but yeah, and it's, and it's that, that initial gut reaction of selfishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I think is just, because a teen, because a teenager hopefully grows out of it, but, the, but the world is egocentric. Yeah. And, you know the best way to learn something is to be a teacher, which Tiffany is becoming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, in, in this next piece that I'm going to pull, uh, a dialogue between Tiffany and Nightshade. Uh, why do you help these strangers? She asked Tiffany now. They're not of your clan. You owe them nothing. Well, said Tiffany, although they're strangers, I simply think of them as people. All of them. And you help other people. That's how we do it. Does every person do it? Said Nightshade. No, said Tiffany. Sadly, that is true. But many people will help other people just because, well, they're other people. That's how it goes. She has to be able to externalize those those teachings to be able to practice mm-hmm. them herself, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Other bits we liked. Oh, I mean just Granny Weatherwax's final day, the the I mean, I, I think it's it's delightful for for of her character of like that she is choosing the and the order of the world in which she leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, Jesus Christ, if that is not the most type A thing you could possibly do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, I mean that with all the love. I'm just, I have too many people in my life who if they knew when they were going to die, this is exactly what they would do. <laughs> I basically like started crying at the point where Granny starts cleaning. Because I was like, oh, I know what's mm-hmm. happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up until up until like essentially the the end of the funeral sequence. Hmm. Yeah. I was I I I you know I've listened to like basically the last like dozen or so on audiobook and this was not a good book to read on, to listen to on audiobook because I'm I'm like I pull over the side of the road and I'm like I'm crying at an airport like parking lot basically. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, the being sad about losing granny, too, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was part of it. But the like all of the descriptions of like the mundane dealing with death stuff felt very, very, very real to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, having having had to deal with that, you know, in my life and the thing of like, well, Things have to go on, and somebody has to be in charge, and I guess that that's me. Mm-hmm. Even even when you don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to environs. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about Jeffrey, non-binary icon? Yes the the the, the quote of uh, of 
Uh, I've never thought of myself as a man. I'm not much of anything. I'm just me. It's... But dude, Terry, you made a non-binary brother. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's just like, hmm, this is very, very relatable. How I'm just, uh, I'm sitting, uh, it's like, hmm, I'm called out here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, great, great to feel called up by something in, in book 41 like that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, you know. To make a new type of relatable character, mm-hmm. yeah, um, felt yeah. it was very lovely. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, like that is, I think that very often, especially like when you are aware, like especially like when somebody from Jeffrey's background, it could be a very complicated relationship to to masculinity, and I think that it's like I, I think that a perfectly valid and logical option. Is to just opt out. You can leave. You can hit the bricks on your gender. Yep. <laughs> Along with your goat. Yeah. Do I need? Do oh, I need to God. get you a goat, Justin? I fucking love. I fuck. I would. Uh, that goat would kill the uh, the the dog. Like <laughs> that. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, it's like I I I don't know what I would do with a goat that is smarter than me. <laughs> I gotta say that the calm weaving thing is a definitely a power that I, as somebody who hates conflict, would love to have. Oh yeah! Just like, could everybody calm down for five minutes, please? Yeah, yeah. Um, what a cool skill for him to have. Yeah, and you know, like very setting it very directly as you, as you pointed out, very directly in opposition to like traditional masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is a I, I think that like there is an idea positive masculinity is caregiving is caregiving a protection. And I, I think something that would have been interesting maybe in an alternate universe where we got another witch book um of seeing how Jeffrey attends to a steading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On his own. I, I that 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 would be very funny. I would like to see what his knack Mac feel look like or, or equivalent of supernatural help look like. I think that would be very funny. Uh, he's just gonna have a, a herd of like sapient goats. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where this conversation is gonna go because it's kind of like a lit hand grenade, but think about Jeffrey in comparison to carrot. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because both have this mantle of of authority. Both have, like, you know, Carrot kind of has a proto, proto-Indo-European kingship thing. But Jeffrey almost has a Solomonic. I don't, I don't hmm. know if that's the right terminology. Yeah. I, 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 interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I'm picking up your vibe. I vibe yeah. with it. Jeffrey, our non-binary yeah. king, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that Carrot is what happens when you, a Carrot is a, yeah, he is a, a king archetype. He is a, um, masculinity as authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that, that is for me personally in 2023, that is a fraught idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, and but the 
But Jeffrey is like, uh, I, I think we talked about this on Bab Pod of all things with uh, Sheridan. Of and I think we're we will definitely talk about it again with Benjamin Cisco of tender masculinity. Yeah. Of of that 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 you know that care like caring warmth. Um, you know, and, and I think that like, and I think it's very fun because it's like he's the person who he specifically wants to become a witch because it's like, it's like, well, why don't you become a wizard? And he's like, because I don't actually want to do what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because they don't seem to make anything better. They just, they don't do magic. And, and I think it's very interesting how basically Jeffrey, like Jeffrey's instruction. I don't think he really learns any magic by the end of this book. Yeah. He, he basically just learns the like practical, practical aspects of witchcraft. And maybe he will learn yeah. magic at some point. We'll see. Or I guess we won't see, but we can speculate. Yeah. He doesn't really have like second and first thoughts explained to him. He doesn't really have any of the mystic stuff. Um, yeah. He's just like, I, I like, he's like, I lack a better job title. Like, like there, there isn't a better job title for what I want. So I just want to become a witch. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the title that Tiffany comes up for him. Yeah. Um, the calm weaver. It was really, really, really lovely. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I do really like elevating these sorts of like caring, compassionate, tender masculinity stories um, in media, because I feel like there's there's so few of them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, for, you know, people growing up, like, you know, having having an image of masculinity that's, you know, something other than like drink beer and punch people and repress your feelings is like you know, we should have we should have more of that mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. drink fermented beet juice and punch people <laughs> yeah jeffrey's great uh i'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm that's that's the character that i i'm glad slipped in uh under the door indiana jones style i honestly like yeah i can't think of a character that i've like sort of like immediately clicked into like that. And I mean, it, you've got to do this if he's only going to be in one book like yeah. this, he's very much like fully realized. Um, and like, it's partly because it's like he, because he's not like his, his emotional journey is sort of done in the first third of the book of him deciding to leave home. Yeah. And so he doesn't really need, he doesn't really need an arc, but he's just so like fully bought in Mm -hmm. that it's honestly, it's, it's sort of refreshing. It's yeah. Yeah. Like, I I think it's like, I would love to see conflict in, if like, if he had like any, in, in some sort of story and that's what fanfic is for. And God, I hope there's something, but uh, (laughs) like how, like, I could see, like, there's something a little, like, I, you know, because if, like, if I had that power, I know that I would feel conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. Because I am the person who, like, you know, in, in, like, a, in like, a role-playing game or anything, it's like, I could, you know, it's like, if it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if it's being done in a story, I don't think about it because it's like, I shut my brain off. I know that if I think about this too much, I will have a meltdown. 
and Jeffrey feels like that way too, of like worrying about the ethical implications of a of an ability uh, of of a gift that can influence other people, mm-hmm. even if it's diffusing tensions. Yeah, yeah, and you know now he's an ambassador, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> which could be useful uh, in you know Borogravia or something. Yeah, gosh, I also love the lumberjack song reference. <laughs> Uh, one thing I did want to highlight, uh, just because my, and, and credit to my wife for pointing this out to me as we were reading We Free Men and I was reading Shepherd's Crown at the same time. Um, in the We Free Men, Tiffany, in their confrontation, asks the queen, who will speak for you? And in this book, Tiffany speaks for the queen. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's an amazing little thing that happened, uh, in in a, a book that we are lucky to have gotten. Anything else? Um, no, I think I'm I'm good. I've got I've got one thing for stuff that feels particularly relevant. Um mm-hmm. Tiffany's burnout slash caregiver fatigue. Um yeah. it's really real in this book. Yeah. Um and I think, you know, especially now that we're past the acute phase of the pandemic and into you know the prolonged phase of the pandemic where it's going to be around forever you know i a lot of people i think are are feeling that um especially people working in healthcare um yeah. mm-hmm. and mental health etc that yeah you know the the and the and the aspect where she's not providing as good care as she once did because she's out right yeah yeah, throughout it, you get this feeling of, like, I can't keep doing this, and I can't stop doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then simultaneously, she's got, you know, all the people being like, thank you for everything you do. By the way, you need to do more. And she's right. like, oh, my God, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, there, there's, I think it's like, would, would the future be, uh, would, would a future Tiffany, uh, while trying to, like, reorganize and quote unquote air quotes modernize witchcraft include a vacation and relief <laughs> yeah seriously yeah. maybe she can learn from learn from preston and have you know residency requirements and stuff like that <laughs> or or even two witches to every setting mm-hmm. if she's yeah. ser- she seems to be serious about finding more witches and training more witches two witches per mm-hmm. setting coven yeah. in every setting yeah. And, a yeah. Chicken, and a chicken in every pot a mother maiden and <clears throat> yeah Mo- you know or one two and non-binary yeah <laughs> just to cover all your bases yeah mm-hmm. but that that would be that would be nice because you know there there is this aspect like in lanker you know it seems like things are in some ways easier there because um Nanny Og is there to take up some of the burden, but of course Nanny Og mm. is getting on in years herself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think there need to be more witches per setting. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like it might be that, like you know, hey, if you maybe open up your, I mean, this is one of those things of hey, maybe if you open up your recruiting pool, uh, you know, you might have more possible candidates. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, 
I'm I'm just looking to like you know the first dwarf witch and the first goblin witch. <laughs> a goblin witch would be very yeah. cool. That would be super cool. Yeah. yeah. Like you know we're we're in the half full of sky right now and they're, they're just talking about like research witches because that's what Miss Level is and like mm-hmm. a goblin research witch. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. That that person would be like unstoppable (laughs) (sighs) um speaking of uh other unfinished plot threads or extrapolations um yeah i i put the section in instead of the like instead of our typical like you know what do we think could have been done better because like you know there's simultaneously many things and nothing in some ways from this book yeah Yeah. Um, i mean my answer would have been you know pretty obvious yeah (laughs) Um, but like along those lines, from what I understand, you know, this book is short in part because the core of the story is finished, but a lot of the side plots were not finished. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about like which of the side plots we would have, you know, we would have loved to see fleshed out. Um, and for me, it's it's Jeffrey in the sheds. Hmm. The old mm-hmm. men plot in general that we we see portions of that, um, but it felt like there was something something more there that was kind of waiting to be developed. Especially with Tiffany, it, there's that point where Tiffany realizes that Granny wasn't doing the old men's laundry for them, um, and like it seemed like she was on the verge of having some sort of epiphany about how granny approached witchcraft. Um, Mm. That would be like potentially changing how she would approach witchcraft, but, but it wasn't in the book. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, I would have loved to see, see more with, um, with those, those sorts of threads. And, you know, the, the thing where Jeffrey kind of looks at the old men is like, and realizes the root problem that, you know, they're, bored and lonely and are have kind of been told that they have no value. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I would have liked on it. I mean, it's, it's, I hate to inflict pain on somebody, but I kind of wish we'd seen a little more of nanny grieving mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you can, maybe it's just me extrapolating, but like, I feel like you can, feel that she is yeah but, but i feel like you know the i would have liked to just have had a little more time with with nanny coming to grips with things too yeah some like private scenes with like nanny um or magrat too yeah i mean i think it might be just like it's a tiffany book and in this case it's I don't know. I, I sort of like it's not Tiffany's to know. Yeah. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well it's it's interesting because this is both a Tiffany book and a book where we get a lot of other POV characters for snippets. Yeah. Jeffrey is a POV character for part of it. And it's simultaneously also like a Lords and Ladies continuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was so far back I couldn't remember basically anything about that book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, time to reread. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I wasn't really, maybe maybe it's n- never explicitly in the, in, well, on paper or anything like that, but I wasn't aware that, that Nari X 
we're aware of Granny. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny when Hex was like, uh, can't deal with this right now, guys. I wonder what Granny's reaction to Hex and Hex knowing who she is would be. That would be fascinating. It wouldn't it wouldn't have been a thing for this book, but like that'd be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, Tiffany and Preston. Yeah. Do we think that they will continue to have an understanding? I think so. I Yeah. Um Yeah, I think yeah, you know, I think that now that they've talked to each other about the problem, you know, that um it seemed like for the first portion of the book, Tiffany was getting really frustrated with the situation between them, but had not actually talked to Preston. And, you know, this yeah. is part of Tiffany becoming an adult, too, and mm-hmm. being like, hey, you know, we need to discuss, like, what's going on here and, like, what our future looks like because we're both really busy people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he's clearly very talented if he's nearly as good as an Igor at uh, at surgery. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I could definitely see him coming back to the chalk, too, that mm-hmm. because the chalk needs doctors. It does. Yeah. And that would help that would help relieve a lot of Tiffany's load as well, honestly. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe every witch needs a doctor alongside. <laughs> yeah, Justin, that quote you pulled, our skills you will find could be our jailers is is such a great encapsulation yeah. of both of their Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such just a yeah, it's just such a like, you know, it, it's like what is, you know, t- it, it is both like Tiffany's reward for doing work is more work and the fact that the that because they are both so good at their job they have to be kept they're they're kept away from each other. So yeah, um as I mentioned, um I had a a chat with Rob about the book and about his experience writing writing with Terry. Mm-hmm. He, and he he wants to make it clear that 99.99% of the book is Terry's work directly. Um, but mm-hmm. it took a concerted team effort, uh, and he wanted in particular to thank, uh, Philippa Dickinson, um, who at, um, at, I think Penguin Random House at the time that was working on basically keeping all of the pieces. She was the keeper of the timeline and mm-hmm. was, was making sure that all of the pieces that Terry produced fit into it and would tell Rob what was needed and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. but Rob told me just how hard it was for him to watch Terry's abilities decline like day by day. Yeah. Um, the, you know, he told me about like having to go outside every day and like breathe. Um, mm-hmm. the, the particularly nasty thing about what Terry had was that it was affecting a portion of the brain that allows you to visualize things. So mm. Terry was literally losing the ability to visualize what his characters were doing, uh, which I feel like is sort of fundamental to the writing process. Yeah. Yeah. The original ending was planned to have a it explicitly revealed that granny had been borrowing you the entire time. Uh, 
it was never really written to anyone's satisfaction. I personally like the ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that it actually more closely cleaves to the message of the book, which is that Granny created all these ripples in the world, and those ripples even when her physical existence has stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I think that that would have... I think I would have hated that, actually. That it would have felt very, like, trite. Mm -hmm. And I like you being powerful in its own right. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Rob said that he's absolutely okay with the speculating what happens to Tiffany and others in the, you know, book six, etc. Lost to the Trousers of Time. I personally am okay with not knowing. Um, Yeah. You know, as, as you said, Justin, like... This is the beginning of adult Tiffany, and that's a different story that never really started. I think, yeah, and I, I, I think it's like for me personally, I, I'm there. Like a, a part of my engage, like engagement with the work is questioning things and asking what comes next. And I, I there's some that I am very incurious. There, there's series that I am very incurious about, and I'm like, I'm perfectly okay with what was brought there, and others that are, and I think. With Discworld books, that they're that 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 is a book by book basis. There are some books that I am rather incurious about, and I'm okay with what I got there. And some books that I absolutely want to have next. And I think I think it's like I am happy with this one. This one is, but I think that the idea of an adult Tiffany is an interesting one. Yeah, but I think it, but it would be very different from what we see now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really I is... like I really like speculating about you know what what you know what does Tiffany cr- craft the witches into or guide them into I see what you did there yeah yeah you know the the one one final thought well one thought for me um I overall throughout the book felt less emotionally affected like overwhelmed affected but then when i got to rob's footnote uh, uh that that hurt my heart a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also so sad not to get a second maurice book that like a ship's <laughs> cat maurice how cool would that have been yeah would have been delightful yeah okay final thoughts on this book it is a very good and cathartic end i i i am of the opinion that it should that that like any book that it is there to be read and that if you have the inclination you should mm-hmm. yeah you know at the same time i don't you know i don't regret radi- waiting until now you know like yes we had the podcast bit but like you know i felt like i feel like reading all the other books before it rereading them all was necessary honestly mm-hmm. you know a good run up mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think if I I think if I just picked it up randomly, um, I don't think it would have been as emotionally impactful. Um, but also, I think it would have been harder to read. So you know, I'm you. Know, I might like theoretically kick myself for like I you know this this you know this was a good book. I should have read it sooner. But like it's okay. We were ready now, and that's that's what matters. Yep. Okay. Well, we made it all the way through. Uh, let's do some yeah. wrap up. Um, let's start with some listener questions. Uh, we got, All right, we got four. 
Uh, James asks, uh, what moment from the book still resonates with you the most after reading all of them? Uh, which one still hits hardest in the feels or lingers beyond all others? Hmm. For me, it's, it's always going to be Susan and death on the horse. Um, (laughs) with the, the speech about the, you know, believing the little lies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always going to be that of like, um, find me one atom of justice. Because I think that I, I think that is the most Terry thing. What about you, Aaron? Do you have a different answer from us? Yeah. Uh, words in the heart cannot be taken. Nice. From Feet of Clay. Uh, I love that book. Uh, and the golem, you know, the 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 golem, uh, golem emancipate golem emancipation. Yeah, is sort of a prototype for what happens with the dwarves. I think. Mm-hmm. And a prototype for what happens with the goblins. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and eventually maybe with the elves. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, and then also, of course, um, uh, Vimes's rampage uh, as he's yelling, "Where's my cow?" Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> because he stops. You know, he could have just gone full berserker, but he stops. Um. Okay. Kathy W. asks, are there any side characters you wish had their own book? I want an auto book. Hmm. Um, going through, like, side characters. I I think that a Drumknot book would have been very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Of, like, like, may, like there, there are two, there, there are two um, possibilities for this, I think. One would be Drumknot, like, on vacation and getting drawn into work, I think. (laughs) The other, there was a series that I remember reading, like, that I remember, like, reading as, uh, like, when I was younger, um, about a, like, about a spy who is, like, very, like, who basically looks like a tourist. And I think it would just be very funny to put, like... Like have drum not going on assignment somewhere, um, and supposed to like try to blend in somewhere, but looking incredibly like a tourist, and while well, he's supposed to be spying on shit. <laughs> oh yeah, that that would be that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would kind of actually. So I know we we have the thesis that the wizards are best as are always best as a B plot. Um, mm-hmm. But I would have, I would enjoy specifically a Ponder Stibbins book mm. that's like low stakes and is just like, you know, shenanigans and the high energy magic, magic building. Um, that that I think would be fun. Um, mm-hmm. And because I think I think Ponder would be the way to challenge the like assertion that the wizards are best in the B plot. Um, <laughs> well, because you can still have wizards in the B plot, right? Right. That like the rest of the wizards would be there, but Ponder would be trying to like actually get something done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd also actually love a, another book with um, with Pastor Mightily Oats. Like he'd be a very good vehicle for a um, was you know a British village pastor mystery kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Also, Jeffrey. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he's technically yeah. a side character on this. 
Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth C.S. asks, which Discworld character would you like to go hang out with? Other than Jeffrey. <laughs> mm, that's my own addition. Honestly, I think Jeff. I, I I think like Jeffrey would actually not be very fun to hang with a lot of the time. But um, but like we're, we're you know, you know, I'd probably uh, you know it's like I probably want to do like if like you know it's like if if it's like oh hey like hang out grab dinner like maybe watch a movie or something cheery. Hmm. I was gonna say yeah. Angua. So. Yeah, cheery or angua, like I, I, I like you know e- either both, both maybe. Yeah, but like you know, I think it would be fascinating to do like a one day internship. In- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like also you know spending time with Adorabelle would be interesting, but like <laughs> your clothes would smell so badly of smoke. Yeah, yeah. you'd have to no, invent for breeze. With, I want to hang with Moist and Adorabelle at two a.m. at a Denny's. Yes. <laughs> they do have like, 2 a.m. Denny's energy. God, yeah, no, it's yeah. Like the specific vibe there is like I want is like 2 a.m. a Denny's, the mozzarella sticks are great. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna watch I wanna watch Voice Bob Lipwick at like with like you know, 21st century coffee starting to see the universe and invent <laughs> new economic theory. <laughs> and I, I feel like, I feel like Adorabelle would also be one of those people who like eats, eats everything with an implement. So like, you know, she'd be there in the Denny's like, like, you know, eating, eating her mozzarella stick with a fork <laughs> or like or, chopsticks. Yeah. Using a stiletto for each French fry. Okay. Uh, oh, this is this is one I don't remember if we ever answered on air. Uh, Drano asks at the end of the parentheses, very good monstrous regiment episode. Mark messaged Rob for a definite answer on whether the differences between additions and Jackram's pronouns during his final scene are intentional. Don't leave us hanging. What was the answer? Uh, I believe that we determined that it was a printer's error. Yeah. I that that. Yeah, I know we talked. Uh, yeah, I know, like we 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 meant like we 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 got the answer, but yeah, I think it's like an error, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I believe there was a typesetting error, which can happen. In God, I don't even want to count how many thousands of pages over the last three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, es- especially with uh, Anglicization or Americanization, rather of uh, of spelling. I too. think you, I think you mean the correct and incorrect way of spelling things. <laughs> cat maurice maurice (laughs) maurice is just a better name than morris (laughs) if anyway if if, if it was meant to be pronounced morris it would have been spelled m-o-r-r-i-s correct yeah like the dance exactly which i also don't understand because we're americans (laughs) and we don't understand anything they're proud of it I'm like, cut that part out. <laughs> we understand barbecue. Mm. <laughs> and that the, the appropriate, the correct way to spell barbecue is BBQ. Yes. <laughs> Accurate. I mean, as a Californian, I'm not allowed to have an opinion on barbecue, but. <laughs> well, uh, we started this project in 2019, which feels yeah. like a billion years ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it feels appropriate that Good Omens 2 is coming out soon. 
Yeah. 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 Actually. We, we so this entire project was just us wasting time until Good Omens Two came out. Yeah, <laughs> not wasting time. I mean, that that seems to be a whole a, a pattern for our series of we did one Babylon Five series and now we're just waiting. <laughs> come out. Yeah. <laughs> so Anna, what's what surprised you the most about this read through? Um, I was surprised by which books I liked better than I had the first time, and which ones I worked liked less than I had the last time because there were some surprises in in both categories like there were some like um you know I I really enjoyed pyramids my first read through but like now with like being older and having more like knowledge and experience it was you know rough going to reread it um Mm -hmm. but at the same time like you know a lot of the a lot of the Tiffany books in particular, I didn't hugely enjoy my first time around, and mm-hmm. you know, in the read in the reread, um, you know, I was really I was really surprised by like how much better I liked so many of the books. Yeah, uh, I think that I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I think that there's a number of books that I dislike less than perhaps the two of you, but maybe that's because I'm old and <laughs> older than you. You're not that much older than me, Aaron. Have you, have you seen this gray hair? <laughs> it's not that it's not that we're younger, it's that we're meaner. Uh, you know. Um or, you know, I have had longer for them to sit in my fave category and and less inclination to move them into problematic fave or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think back on all the things we read. I think Monstrous Regiment I loved before of like 50,000 times more now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, I'd read it when it, when it came out and a few times since then, but reading it in, in the context and the arc of, of Terry's writing ability and seeing it, set next to all these other books that are amazing and having it just like at this pinnacle of his writing power, I think was really, it gave me even more appreciation for it. Phil, Phil. Also, and along with that, I was also surprised by which characters I liked or disliked more than previous. Like, yeah. I used to be a carrot fan. Me not too. anymore. <laughs> that, that was an interesting discovery. I mean, I think he's a very interesting character. I'm not quite as hero worshipy of him as I used to be. Yeah. Uh, fun question. Uh, were there any beams, Justin, that meant something different from what you thought before reading? Or have you been too I'm immersed? To, I'm trying to think of like memes that I was aware of. I'm sure you were aware of the Vimes Boots theory. Yeah, I was aware of the Vines boots and autistic death, but um, <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think there was particularly anything that was like, oh, I had like that was different from what I thought it was. But yeah, that you know, nothing specific. Gotcha. Yeah, nothing, nothing that I can think of like super specific of like, oh, I thought this was one thing and I met, and it turned out to be another. So, out of the forty-one books, which one do you suspect you'll? end up rereading first i think the first one i think i'm gonna i'd reread i'm gonna definitely give it some time to like sit down and just like cook for a bit um 
but probably either small gods because I like I sort of want to like redig into that and like reabsorb it, or Nightwatch to like read that without a time limit next time. <laughs> what about you, Anna? Uh, probably Hogfather, just out of like um, habit, uh, <laughs> because that's the that's the one that I've read the most, listened to on audiobook the most. Um, we should have a watch t- party. Yeah. yeah, watched the you know watched the special of the most. Um, you know, I would say that even though there are books that I would quantify as being like objectively better than Hogfather, mm-hmm. it is my favorite. Setting that aside, I agree with Justin on Small Gods. I think that's one that like would be, you know, nice to dig into again. But also broadly, like actually the Tiffany books. Um, cause I feel like I only just started to appreciate them and going back and rereading them with the knowledge, with the knowledge that I appreciate them now, <laughs> uh, would be nice. I am currently rereading Hatful of Sky, uh, albeit out loud because uh, yeah, the Tiffany series has meant a lot more to me this reread. I think because my kids have been the ages of the protagonist for at least the first two books, mm-hmm. um, which, and at least the older one has a lot of Tiffany esque qualities. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it there so that she doesn't get angry at me. Uh, <laughs> <You> can, <laughs> when she listens to this in five years or whatever, you can cut this, but, um, from what you've said, the the youngest has fecal-like qualities. Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably Daft Willie, in fact. Um, but uh, other than those, I kind of want to reread Jingo. Yeah. Hmm. See that. I'd- but you you saying small gods makes me want to read small gods, so I don't know. <laughs> Full disclosure, also, um, I have already started rereading Hogfather um, in, the, <laughs> in, in the new audiobook, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah? Peter nice. Serafinowicz as Death is yes. wonderful. And um, having the uh, Nye do the, uh, the footnotes is also really lovely. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend the audiobook mm-hmm. for that. I'm I'm slowly accumulating my uh, two copies of the audiobooks for every Discworld book. It's going to be hard for me to adjust without to, away from Stephen Briggs. Ah, uh, but see, I will still have those, and I can That's true. listen to them as well. Whichever yeah. one I'm in the mood for. Do we want to do a top five or top three? I don't know. I don't believe in top fives. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, and then the the reading order question. I don't know. I mean, we've talked at length about... We should about, probably say what the actual question is. I guess. What book or reading order would we pick for someone new to Discworld? So, conversation that I've had, <laughs> I've had at least twice on dating apps now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because I, I made a joke, I, like, oh, what a pro, on a profile I have is, like, you know, making a joke about reading every Discworld book. And... And it's, I, I, and it is honestly something of like, I would need, it's like, it, it's something of like, I want to have a conversation with a person before I recommend mm-hmm. them. Cause I don't like recommending books sight unseen, especially with Discworld because there's something there for a lot of people. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I think my answers are guards 
or moist if you're like for like the most typical of readers um if you uh, and like oh hey if you like mischief and stuff um you know i i think i i, I will say that like if you're like oh hey i want an unfiltered discworld experience and i want like the weird magic, the social commentary, weird folklore stuff. I think I'd have to go with Amazing Maurice. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like, it's the only one that doesn't have, because there isn't a lot of like interconnectivity. But I'm like, if you want the, if, if you want to dive into Discworld and do a full thing, like Guards is probably my starting yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Just because it is connected to a lot of things that are recognizably Discworld. And you can sort of jump on there. And it's like, it's the first part where we see like, it's it's sort of the start of what is connected to Discworld outside. Like, there is the witch's stuff, but it's really the first step of like, what's going to be the core of that setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you start them at Guards, Guards, or at uh, or at Feet of Clay? Guards. I mean, guard, guard, because Guards is, because the, the Watch novels are an arc of Sam Vimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That are, that are also about how Ankh-Morpork Park changes. And I think like that, that is, that is important. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you, if you're starting with feet of clay, you are in something that is modernizing. And I think, I think men at arms is an important bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if I were going to pick one um, at this point, it'd be amazing. Maurice, like it for somebody who, especially for somebody who's like very skeptical about reading everything and like where you're even like here's the guards books and they're like aren't there like 10 of those (laughs) if Mm -hmm. if it's like okay try one book as a taste it's going to be amazing maurice um even it's it's kind of a heavy book but like you know it's got the philosophy it's got the world but it doesn't it there's no it doesn't require that you know the disc first. Yeah. And yet the world is already fully fleshed. Other than that, I probably also the Tiffany books. That is in fact something that we have done. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that my like my entire thing would be like how do you handle teenage protagonists because <laughs> for some people and sometimes depending on the mood me yeah. TH protagonists make me want to throttle something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the children are awful. <laughs> the the witches would be the other one that I would kind of recommend. Mm-hmm. Um and it kind of it kind of makes me sad how many like from from Discworld fans that I've polled, it honestly kind of makes me sad how many have not read the witches books. <laughs> Like I'm not going to name names, etc. But like, it's it's always surprising to me um, because there's a lot of really good stuff there, but I think they get kind of unfairly maligned for being about women, un- ultimately, and that sucks. And I wish more people would like be enthusiastic about them. Yep, I think the witches series is great, but also not start with equal rights. I yeah. That's, that's not the one to start with. Start with Weird Sisters. Yeah. Um, my other my other recommendation that I think is like if you want the rawest Terry experience is Monstrous Regiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that one also stands alone pretty well. Yeah, it's like they're they're I think it I think it does I think it's I think it's a good choice for somebody who's been exposed to Discworld memes because like Vimes appears in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a lot of Discworld stuff going on. And if like if somebody is like tangentially aware of Discworld, it's a good book because you know, like you sort of understand what it's about and then it's yeah. So since the afterward on Shepherd's Crown invited speculation, uh let's indulge. Um uh, what stories would we have liked to see in future books? Uh is there anything we would have wanted revisited any dream character matchups that never happened? For example, I would love to see what happens if uh, nut and Jeffrey got in the same room. Oh yeah. Uh, broadly just everything with nut too. Like I yeah. would have loved a second nut book. If you want, you can go back to the snuff episode and Aaron, just play like the Mars a uh, here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've already stated what I want, and you know what? It might just end up becoming a role-playing game at some point. Um. <laughs> I Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll bring this back, but I also would like to see what happens if CMOT accidentally invents NFTs. Okay. Uh, favorite Discworld bit? I think it's got to be the recurring thing of somebody not realizing they're dying and death being there. <laughs> Cut me, cut me own throat, Dibbler. I think the and the various accents yeah. of franchises. And, yeah, and the Dibbler likes. <laughs> yeah, the luggage. I wish that we had seen it again. Now that's a side character that would be fascinating to have its own book. I think that it would be like just a I, lot of stomping. Well, see, I I feel like that would be um, fascinating as like another last hero. I think I think what you could do is I think it would be a very fun thing to play around with a, with a medium and have it be a full graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, mm. that would be that would be really fun. Uh, and you know, the one in a million happening more times than you think. That's good too. Oh, it's been a long couple of years. Yeah. So what have we learned? Uh, it doesn't hurt to ask people to come on your podcast. Just do it. <laughs> uh yeah that was um that was a a learning experience wasn't it yeah nothing bad will happen if you send a politely worded email and something very good might happen and i mean hey if you put a microphone in my face i will in fact read 41 plus change books (laughs) you just have to like really convince me we are all available to come on your Discworld podcast. Just ask. Yes. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, this is the first time that I'd read them straight through mm-hmm. from beginning to end, um, which I know is something that some people have done before. And it, it was a fascinating experience watching somebody mm-hmm. grow and learn to be the writer that they want to be. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's one of the things that I want to do with, you know, my next reread is actually not do the whole thing in chronological order, but take the take the threads individually Mm. um, (laughs) and see because sometimes sometimes you kind of forget some of the stuff for like guards or whatever when it's been three books since your last guards book Um, and having them, you know, back to back, I think would be an interesting way to reread. All right. And I would like to thank you, Aaron, for everything you have done to 
make this project a success. Um, you've put so much, so many hours because I mean, listeners for every, for every hour that you hear us talking for every hour that Justin and I are here talking, Aaron's editing it for another hour. Um, and Aaron, you've put an immense amount of work into it and I am very grateful. Thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure. The fact that you make me sound as good and, I mean, not as dumb as I usually am is honestly <laughs> scenehood. <laughs> Closing thoughts? Um, this has been a fantastic journey to take with you both. It really has. And I'm very glad we did it. Well, I'm going to read something and I hope I don't cry. Okay. There is always more of the world to discover and more people we can convince of their own worth. Even though we've finished the Discworld books this time, the ripples Terry has left in the world continue to propagate. We've seen this with the dozens of guests we've had on the show who feel their work, their life, and their perspectives on our world were affected by reading and rereading Terry's works. And I hope you, gentle listeners, will continue those ripples. Treat people like people, not things. One day, all of us will die, but, and this is the important thing, we are not dead yet. Somewhere, all stories are real. All songs are true. A person is not truly dead as long as their name is still spoken. Mind how you go.